Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I was thinking uh, for this Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin, having four guests, Mr. Producer. And I think it would be the highest rated program in the history of cable TV. Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, John Fetterman, and Dianne Feinstein. All four of them. How do you think that would go? Maybe I'd have to save that for late night, don't you think? As funny as that sounds, isn't it pathetic? Anyway, I hope you had a good weekend. My wife and I went to the Jersey Shore, Atlantic City, Ventnor, Margate. I haven't been there in years and years and years. We had a wonderful time. And we left on a Friday and we came back on Sunday because I don't like all these backups. And uh, really it kind of recharges your your batteries. You know, two weeks left till the release of The Democrat Party Hates America, so preseason for the book is coming to an end. Very excited about it. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but we've had about a two-month preseason, a little touch here and a little touch there, but now we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. America, the spending, borrowing, taxing, yearly deficit, overall debt is so out of control, I don't know that we can ever claw out of this. Now, we have a lot of stuff going on in this country, but this is one of the areas that most of the media find boring or incomprehensible, so they just kind of play inside baseball. Is there going to be a government shutdown? Is there not going to be a government shutdown? The Senate Republicans, they want to do a short-term spending bill, but the House Republicans... Okay. Let's start with their propaganda and try and undress it. A government shutdown. The government never shuts down. I wish it would. The government, hello, the government never shuts down. Parts of it might, most of it does not. And the parts that do shut down are intended to impose the greatest amount of panic, fear, pressure, on the American people. So the Washington get all the money at once. So the bureaucrat, <laughs> bureaucrats can get all the money they want. And we go on to the next and the next and the next. Now they, they didn't mind as I've told you before. When they shut down the private sector. They didn't mind when they shut down schools including elementary schools. They didn't mind setting back the nation's youngest generation back 18 months in terms of quality and 
of education and competency in reading, writing, and arithmetic. They didn't mind that. They didn't mind shutting down places of worship. They didn't mind destroying small businesses, particularly restaurants and hotels and so forth. They didn't mind all the damage they did to the private sector, America. (laughs) And they shut it down for months. Months. Oh, the government shut down. Here's the deal. All the bureaucrats know this. All the politicians know this. You may not. If there's an actual shutdown in the sense that 83% of the federal government continues, ladies and gentlemen, 17% does not. I got that from Paul Ryan, the former head of the... Yeah, former speaker, but also former head of the Ways and Means Committee. On this program years ago, he said, you know, over 80% of the government goes on, the entitlements go on, that is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, other spending, VA benefits go on, all that continues, the military goes on, the essential personnel stay, and for the federal government, you know, that's 83% of them. But the federal government won't go bankrupt. All it has to do is cut its spending. Now we'll get into this again because it kind of happened again. But first let's begin with the shutdowns. In 1976, the federal government was shut down under the presidency of Gerald Ford for 10 days. We're still here, America. Ooh, look at that. We're still here. In 1977, under Jimmy Carter, the federal government shut down for 12 days. 1977, shortly after that shutdown, it shut down for another eight days. So in September that year, it shut down 12 days. In October that year, it shut down eight days. And guess what, under Carter? In December of that year, it shut down another eight days. Then... The following year under Carter, 1978, in October, it shut down for 18 days. Oh, my gracious goodness. 1979 under Carter, it shut down another 11 days. What was going on here? Carter went after these, uh, these feather bedding projects of the government. You know, he ran on a, uh, on a budget plan that would start from zero. Zero-based budgeting, he called it. He had problems from Democrats and Republicans. He shut down the government a lot. Total of 60 days out of four years. Then the great Ronald Reagan comes in. Congress wants to spend money on everything but defense. 1981, he shuts down the government for two days in November. 1982, he shuts down the government for one day, September 30 to October 2. Again, 1982, December, he shuts it down three more days. 1983, shuts it down three days. 1984, shuts it down two days. 1984, again, later, shuts it down one day. 1986, he shuts it down one day. 1987, he shuts it down one day. Here we are, America. 
federal government's been shut down about 80 days until that point. Can you imagine? President George H.W. Bush shuts it down for three days in 1990. Bill Clinton shuts it down for five days in 1995. 95-96, Clinton facing off with Newt Gingrich. They shut it down for three weeks. 21 days. George H.W. Bush, advised by Karl Rove and the other lightweights, never vetoed a spending bill, never shut down the government, and spending went through the roof. McConnell says the government will never be shut down. Not while he's shuffling along. And the pallbearers behind him called them Paul Barrows before Mitch McConnell was staring into the space. They have said the same thing. And of course, Chris Sununu, who's now the philosopher king for <clears throat> rhinos on my favorite network and all other networks for that matter, because he's a putz. He says it would be a bad idea to shut down the government. Bad idea to impeach Biden. Can't we just all get along? So Barack Obama shuts down the government, excuse me, for 16 days. 16 days. That's actually Ted Cruz who does that, Mr. Producer. Brave, brilliant, and right. Because Cruz was trying to repeal Obamacare. He was attacked by the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Why? More putzes. He was attacked by the ruling class, by the rhinos, by the corporatists. They all pretend they don't want big government, but they love it. They lavish in it. They swim in it like pigs in mud. 2018, Donald Trump. One day the government was shut down. 2018 again. Three days the government was shut down. Trump again. December 22 to January 25. 34 days the government was shut down. So, ladies and gentlemen, this comes from the Congressional Research Service. They're never wrong. What are we going to do if they shut it down again? Oh, my God! What will happen? Nothing. It'll be another weekend. We just had a three-day weekend, did we not, America? It's called Labor Day, which means you don't work on Labor Day. It's oxymoronic, but I understand. Labor Day, where we're nobody's going to labor. Hey! But anyway, three days where the government was shut down. Did any of you try and make a call to the EPA? No answer. Department of Agriculture? No answer. Social Security Administration? No, they were closed. Your local Medicare up? Nope, close. Medicare? Nope, close. Anybody try to make a call to the White House? Nah, close. The White House closed. How about Capital Help? Nope, nope, they're out. Closed. Wow. How about DHS and all the illegal? Nah, not answering. Closed for three days. And here we are. We call it a holiday. Shouldn't we call a government shutdown a holiday? 
It's like, whew, at least the IRS will stay up my ass. Whew, left, at least the FBI won't knock down my door. Whew. Whew, at least some liberal in some federal court won't throw me in jail. Okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. Shut down. Good. And when Congress isn't meeting, that means we have more of our liberty. But notice, in all seriousness, how they treat private sector shutdowns and government shutdowns. I've made this point repeatedly. The private sector shutdowns for two years were called righteous. Anybody who opposed them was called selfish. Selfish. And in fact, the more you shut down, the more you forced people out of work, the more you sheltered businesses, the more money you got from the government. Which we're paying for today, many ways. Now why would it be righteous to do exactly the opposite? Shut the government down. Because you'll deny resources to the politicians and the bureaucrats who are destroying our economy, who are destroying your pension plans, who are destroying your paychecks, who are driving up the cost of food and fuel and utilities, basics, because they won't stop spending and borrowing. And there's not enough tax money on planet Earth to pay for what they're doing. Not enough. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. While I'm on this issue of economics. From the Daily Mail, staggering figures. Ready for this one? It's Bidenomics. Reveal 1.2 million U.S.-born workers lost their jobs last month. Last month. Hold on, there's more. Replaced by 688,000 foreign-born staff. Wait a minute. 1.2 million American citizens lost their jobs. Replaced by 688,000 foreign-born staff as Joe Biden allows migrants to flood across the border. You know what the media 
are disgusting. They have not once explained why Biden's doing it. Why is he doing it? They're lapdog sycophants and mediaite. They're lapdog sycophants and media matters. They're lapdog sycophants and MSLSD and the constipated news network and all the rest of them. The New York Slimes, the Washington Compost. Why is Joe Biden doing this? Even New York is upset about it. Even Washington, D.C. is upset. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because now they see the effects. They didn't care when it was happening in red states. Oh, wait a minute. The media, such a, a, a monumental change in the country in every respect. And for the worse, for the migrants, for the children of the migrants, for what's happening to them, what's happening to women on the border, the lawlessness, the crime, the feces in the street, Casper, Wyoming's now had to move tons of feces out of the street. They have 200 homeless people there that were shipped there out in the middle of nowhere. That affects a small town relatively. It's hitting every corner of the country. You know where they need to have this? They're only in the newsrooms. We need illegal aliens, foreigners from all over the world, crapping in the newsrooms at the New York Times, the Washington Post, just crapping all over the place. Crapping in the studios of MSLSD and the constipated newsroom. Just crap all over the place. You know, my idea is this. Liberal policies should be allowed to apply to liberals. That is Marxist policies. Democrats should be forced to wear masks. They, will, they have this mask fetish. Wear them. In fact, wear a burqa. We don't want to look at you anyway. They should be forced to pay reparations. That's their party. They should pay 90% tax rates. That's what they think's fair. Their boy Bernie Sanders, Bernie the Red, then pay it. They should not be allowed to purchase anything that runs on fossil fuels. Anything. They should be required to be vegans or vegetarians. If they have guns, they should be required to give them up. Come on now. Their stinking rotten policies ought to be imposed on them. Then you see how fast they run from them. Look, I, I, I know a lot of people. Some distant family members. Distant. Liberals. Really Marxists, but they don't understand that. And man, they are money hungry. They are penny pinchers. They want land that doesn't belong to them. They buy real estate. They're flipping this. They're flipping that. They're making a fortune in New York. Making a ton. Making a ton. And they're radical Democrats. They attack Trump. They attack most Republicans. They hate Bibi Netanyahu and Israel. But you try and take one penny from these people, and they'll fight you to the death. Even when it comes to land. Land. I've got one friend, he's got, he's got relatives. 
They inherited this land. And my friend, he's been working that land day and night. He's, he's into the outdoorsman stuff. He's a hunter. He chops the wood. He does all this stuff. He loves it. He's up there in the winter. He's cleaner, clearing the roads so they can get, he can get in and out of there. Others can too. And he has to deal with people who are radical left-wing Democrats. Indeed, one of them has a crazy-ass left-wing Democrat for a kid. And they want to control everything. The land that they don't even work. They expect this guy to chop the wood for him. They're not interested in equity. They're not interested in community, unity. No, man, we want our peace, baby. And we want to control not only our peace, but your peace. See what I mean? This is typical. Typical. I call these people Mercedes Marxists. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Look for the backbenchers to use that phrase at some point. But I call these people Mercedes Marxists. Because that's what they are. Redistribution of wealth is fine as long as it's yours. Or as long as it's redistributed to them. It's okay. Massive taxes are okay as long as they're not taxes on them. Otherwise, they're all for it. Control over oil companies, drug companies, oh, that's great. Now, boy, oh boy, do I want the low cost of fuel, and I want drugs whenever I need them, and I want them to, to be free. Free. Staggering figures reveal 1.2 million this is Daily Mail. I didn't get it the New York Times. Didn't get it the Washington Post. Didn't get it CNN or MSNBC. Didn't get it from CBS. Didn't get it from all the rest of the creeps. The Anyway, the latest data showed that the decrease in the number of native-born workers month on month has dropped to lows not seen since April 2020, a.k.a. the pandemic. The increase in foreign-born people working in the U.S. this summer, 668,000, is the highest July to August jump in years and years. Staggering figures. 1.2 million U.S.-born workers lost their jobs last month while the foreign-born workforce increased by 700,000 as migrants continue to flood across the border under the Biden administration. Between July and August, there was a staggering decrease, 1.223 million to be clear. Unbelievable. The number of U.S.-born workers... Employment had previously been steadily increasing since January when the figure set at $130 million. This jumped to $131.1 million in April, peaking in July at $132.25 million. Employment in this category was back down to $131.03 million in August. By comparison, the number of farm-born workers has been increasing. What's going on in the corporatists? They're paying these people under the table. 
It's just easy to get rid of uh, citizens. Now, this is what the Democrat Party, at least at the national level, supports. On the one hand, they go, Biden's out there. He's in Philadelphia, my home city, talking to AFL-CIO members, talking about, oh, the unions, baby, the unions, the unions. Because he relies on the unions. He always did as a punk from Wilmington. They carried him over the finish line for his first election, the unions. Whatever the unions want, Biden delivers. Well, let me ask you this, unions. Do you like this? Where American citizens are losing their jobs, but those born in other countries are massively coming into the country and taking those jobs? What do you think of that? That's Bidenomics. It's Bidenomics. It's working. If you want to destroy America, it's working. If you want to destroy the middle class, it's working. If you want to destroy hardworking men and women to get dirt under their nails and scrape their knuckles, it's working. You want people who, who work in grocery stores, janitors, electricians, plumbers, truckers, you don't want them working? Then it's working. In addition to massive inflation and massive debt that's going to cause more economic dislocation while he's destroying the energy sector, driving up the cost of fuel, and soon we'll have our brownouts and blackouts, and soon we'll have our even days and odd days for gasoline, maybe even for air conditioning. And soon we'll have our housing and urban development, a backwater cabinet position, issuing zoning directives, For the sake of the country, the water, the air, and for the sake of preserving energy, you shall not build homes bigger than X. You shall not build single-family homes. You shall live in increasingly dense... Folks, I'm not Nostradamus, but I know my history. Any government that has the power to regulate household products out of existence as the power to destroy your lifestyle. Any government that has the power to regulate fossil fuels out of existence and the things that use fossil fuels, like automobiles, out of existence as the power to destroy your lifestyle. Those of you who are having difficulty making ends meet, which is a lot of you, What can you do about it? I use this phrase hamster wheel. We're on a hamster wheel. We keep running in place. No matter how hard we run, we get nowhere. Seems like we're getting somewhere, but we're not getting anywhere. We're on the hamster wheel. And that's fine by the government. And by the government, I mean the Democrat Party. Mark... Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Well, David Weiss has told a court that they expect to indict Hunter before the end of this month by September 29th. Required to tell the court under the Speedy Trial Act. And most people are surmising it must be the gun violation. Two quick things about this, then I want to move on. 
Abby Lowell is a defense counsel. He's actually pretty damn good. And he's already said out there several weeks ago that when it comes to the gun issue, uh, they already entered into a diversion agreement that Hunter Biden has complied with the diversion agreement, that um, he's met the conditions for pretrial release, and that the government's not free now to go back on the diversion agreement, regardless of what the overall deal did or did not do. It was agreed to by the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was agreed to by the Department of Justice. It was agreed to by this one and that one. So he's got an interesting argument. But that's not where my head is. If they're going to indict Hunter Biden and indict him on the gun charge, Mr. Producer, in America, that doesn't lead to Papa Bear, does it? See, my mind's always moving, moving, moving. The wheels are always moving. I know what everybody else is talking about, the diversion agreement. Why? Because... Defense counsel mentions the diversion agreement. I don't know what he's going to be indicted for, neither does anybody else. But if he's not indicted for the FARA violations, tax violations that may still be available, since the statute of limitations ran on the biggest ones and so forth, then his father, Joe, will not be drawn into this. Do you understand what I'm saying? You do, right, Rich? Rich is eating a steak sandwich. He's very busy. Choking down a uh, cheesesteak. But you folks understand, regardless of what Rich doing, right? Just messing around with Rich. But that's the point. The point is that this is the most harmless indictment that can be brought. That defense counsel has an argument. I don't know if it's persuasive, but an argument to make certainly is not to be dismissed on its face. But defense counsel has no argument to make on the failure to register as a foreign agent, which in my view would drag in his daddy as a co-conspirator who knew that his son was doing foreign business, who helped him do foreign business, even if he didn't receive one damn red cent, CNN and MSNBC, it would still be a federal offense. So that's the beginning and the end of it. The rest of it's speculation. So I, I don't want to spend forever on it, but the rest of it is speculation. But there are other things going on in the country, a lot of other things. You want to know why Donald Trump can't get a fair break in front of any of these Democrat judges? Take a look at New York today, just today. New York judge, writes Newsmax, denies Trump request to delay trial. A New York state judge today denied Donald Trump's request to delay the start of a scheduled October 2 trial and Attorney General Letitia James's civil fraud lawsuit, <coughs> excuse me, accusing the former president, his family, and the Trump organization of inflating the value of his assets. Now, why couldn't the judge put that off? Well, he could have. Judge Arthur F. Engeron is a Democrat hack. He could have easily put it up. 
Trump's lawyers late Tuesday asked the judge to briefly delay the trial until three weeks. Just three weeks. After he ruled on both sides' requests for summary judgments, which seek victory on various legal issues without the need for a trial. A trial of this magnitude should not begin in chaos, his attorneys wrote. The court and the defendants are entitled to know the claims and issues to be tried sufficiently in advance to prepare adequately for trial. Now let's step back. So you have motions for summary judgment by both sides. In other words, we win. You look at the law. You look at the facts. There's no way we can lose. That's prosecution. Defense says, we win. Look at the law and the facts. There's no way they can win. So these motions are filed, and they're waiting for the judge to issue his ruling. And so rationally, logically, Donald Trump's lawyers say, well, until you rule on this, how are we even supposed to prepare for this trial? They said, so let's, let's wait three weeks till you decide these, these decisions. These are momentous. Judge says, no, let's start the trial. Let's start the trial. Isn't that amazing? Now, maybe I went to Temple University Law School, but I think I got a pretty good legal education. And whether I did or not, I've been practicing law now, let's see, since I was 23. Soon to be 43 years. Going to be 66 soon. That's frightening. But nonetheless, I've never heard of an idiot judge who would rule like this. No, I never have. In a separate filing, Trump also asked that James would draw what he called her frivolous motion to sanction the defendants and their lawyers $20,000 for continuing to raise arguments that the judge has rejected. James is seeking at least a quarter of a billion dollars and to bar Trump and his sons from leading their family business. If you're running a business in New York and you're Republican, you better get the hell out of there. You better get the hell out. What's the point? You have to hope you're not mugged on your way to your office. They're taxing the crap out of you. They're auditing you endlessly. They're looking for for ways to drag you into court where you can spend the next 10 years of your life, maybe even into prison. The Attorney General of New York should be disbarred. She ran for that post, as you know, ran for that post, telling voters, would-be voters, that she was going to indict Donald Trump. But apparently in New York, that's okay. It's okay to do that. If you're a Democrat, apparently according to the New York City Bar, the New York State Bar, the highest court in New York, go for it. It's all right. Let's move on. Back to New York City. Same day. A federal judge found Trump liable for defaming the writer E. Jean Carroll by denying in 2019 that he had raped her and said jurors will decide only how much Trump owes in damages. So there the judge did, in effect, issue a summary judgment and said to Trump before trial, guilty. Guilty. There's nothing you can say that allows you to really defend yourself. What you did is indefensible. 
you're guilty. Now we're going to have a trial on how much you owe. What? Oh, yes. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? So this is the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. The judge rules on his own from the bench that Trump is guilty. Judge Lewis Kaplan, another leftist, said the upcoming trial for Carroll's civil lawsuit against Trump will only deal with the question of how much the former president should pay her monetary damages. Now, you know, in May, a Manhattan federal court, a jury ruled that no Donald Trump is not found guilty of rape. And yet that's all he was accused of. They said, but he did sexually abuse Carol. A lesser included offense? No, it's not a lesser included offense on rape. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't even an allegation in the case. It was rape or no rape. But the jury decided to split the baby. They didn't see enough evidence for rape, but they feel he must have sexually abused her. Donald Trump says, I've never met that woman in my life. This case is brought years and years and years after the alleged the alleged non-rape occurred because New York changed its, its statute of limitations as applies to these kinds of allegations. And as has been reported, Ms. Carroll met George Conway at some event, some party. Apparently they were talking, and as I understand it from some report, you can check it or not, Conway said, well, you still have a case. She seemed a little flustered and surprised. And then somehow, a Democrat donor, one or more, decided to help fund her litigation. And that's how that case got off the ground. The allegation goes back to the mid-1990s. Mid-1990s, America. So Trump is guilty, they find, of, of uh, not rape, but of con- some kind of uh, sexual abuse. And then he's, he lashes out again, and she says, okay, I'm suing you a second time. And apparently when she made... Her comments public in 2019 when she went public with her rape allegations. So federal judge Lewis Kaplan, a leftist, he rules there's no point in having a trial on the facts here. I mean, Trump did what he did. I'm looking at the record. I'm looking at the filings. Guilty. You're guilty. 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 And we are going to have a trial, but really to determine how much you're going to pay this woman. What do you think of that, America? You won't hear that explained anywhere else in the country. TV, radio, shortwave radio, flying pigeon. You won't hear a damn thing about this. 
Not as I've explained it, because it's sickening. Now on to the criminal cases, right? Can't wait for those, can we? Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I wanted to talk to you just to pick up one point from yesterday where we spent a lot of time talking about the economic destitution and impoverishment that is being imposed on us in a way that at some point we will not be able to climb out from under this by politicians, frankly, in both parties, mostly the Democrat Party, but with Republicans aiding and abetting. So let me first start with Mitch McConnell and make this point, which I think is related. The Republican Party in the Senate has failed us over and over and over again. I'll mark the judiciary. That's funny as all. Is that all the Senate Republicans are, are supposed to be working on the judiciary every now and then? And they're doing a hell of a crappy job at that. Joe Biden has appointed more judges at this time, more than the presidencies of Donald Trump, Barack Obama, either Bush, Clinton, Reagan, Carter, Nixon. Going back... 60 years. The Democrats have a bare-bones majority in the Senate. How are they getting away with this? They started the use of the filibuster against judicial candidates. Really, under George H.W. Bush. So how is it that the Senate Judiciary Committee... They get these nominees through, and that the Republicans on the floor of the Senate aren't preventing this. How can that be? Because they're cowards. They're cowards. I don't want to hear about their strength when it comes to the judiciary. Oh, but Mark, look at the Supreme Court. The Republicans in the Senate have given us crappy Republican justices and great Republican justices. It's really been up to the nominee, the president, and they decide if they're going to fight to get them confirmed. But Mark, Mitch McConnell kept Merrick Garland off the court. He didn't keep Sotomayor off the court. He didn't keep her off the court. And she's not only a fool, she's a crook. But enough of that. What else have they done for us lately? Mitch McConnell, 17 Republicans, voted on that infrastructure bill. Remember that? It's a trillion dollars. That certainly added to inflation. No question about it. What have they done to secure the border? Any riders, any amendments on any legislation? None. None backed by Mitch McConnell. 
None backed by Mitch McConnell. The legislative genius doesn't appear to be able to legislate himself out of a paper bag. The board is out of control. What has he done? Nothing. Spending's out of control. What has he done? Contributed to it. Even now, he wants a short-term spending resolution. He doesn't want to take on the Democrats. He doesn't want to take on Biden. But it's the only way you can get spending under control. There is no other way. These people spend like drunken Marxists. Is it too much? They ask them to stand up and fight? Maybe in the end they'll lose, but stand up and fight! Apparently it is. You'll remember the last time we had somebody do that was Ted Cruz. I believe it was 2013. He was viciously and horribly attacked by McConnell and his media and his fellow rhinos. He was attacked by the Wall Street Journal editorial page. He was attacked by the National Review. He was attacked by pseudo-conservative, even conservative media. 36 days. Must have been very lonely. Very lonely. In any event, we look at the national debt. We talked about this, just the news. Interest on national debt on pace to eclipse entitlements, defense spending, amid funding battles. I thought it was necessary to add a little bit more to this from yesterday. Criticism of sustained deficit spending prompted House Republicans earlier this year to pressure the White House to make budgetary concessions in the Fiscal Responsibility Act that aim to address the nation's runaway spending. The debt service may soon exceed that of major allocations. Now, I want to remind you that for... Several decades now, interest rates had been at 2%, 3 2.5%, 4% was considered high. Now it's above 7% and climbing. Why? Because a monetary policy intended to try and breach inflation. Because of fiscal spending policy and endless borrowing, and therefore printing of paper money effectively, which has driven up interest rates. In other words, spending, and more spending, and more spending, to the point of $2 trillion deficit in 2023 on top of a $1 trillion deficit last year, and we're not even at war. Sustained deficit spending by the U.S. government helped push the national debt up to a jaw-dropping $31.38 trillion in 2023, according to the U.S. Treasury. Fiscal watchdogs are now predicting that the interest alone on that debt will soon eclipse both entitlements and defense spending as a major component of the annual budget. See, they were able to camouflage this for the longest time because of low interest rates. At the same time, the national debt is at a record high. Interest payments in mid-2022 
stood at just under $600 billion, according to a report from the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. Now, that report outlines the challenges that face the next administration. It projects that such payments will exceed the combined costs of Medicaid, food stamps, Social Security income in late 2023. Varies based on interest rates, but not much. So the expense on interest in the next administration will exceed the combined costs of Medicaid, food stamps, and Social Security income. Debt service, uh, service is projected to exceed the total amount of defense spending either later this year or in 2026. Again, contingent on interest rates. So anytime, either later this year or into 2026 or in between, interest rates, that is the debt on to pay interest, will be so high, it'll be bigger than the entire defense budget. A 10-year Treasury note, which in 2021 came with just under a 1% interest rate, that figure now sits at 4.3. You see, those low interest rates were were set illegitimately, I would argue, by the Fed. And that was just uh, just the fuel needed by the big spenders in Congress. So in other words, the Fed has not done its job, which is to ensure sound money. The Fed has been the drug dealer to the drug addicts in Congress, that is, the spending addicts in Congress. Debt service is projected to exceed defense spending, as I said. Mortgage rates, which are at an all-time high, have been predicted to remain high as well. Fannie Mae says, It doesn't expect rates to drop below 6% until the fourth quarter in 2024. I don't believe that for two seconds. Analysts from Rocket Mortgage says that during the Trump administration years, the average rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage was 3.7%. It's working. Binomics is working. Now, you know the man's insane. Now, the issues of rising debt... And rising interest rates clash head-on with major spending packages spearheaded by the Biden regime and the Democrats in Congress, including the 2021 American Rescue Plan and the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act, which saw the government authorize $1.9 trillion and $740 billion in federal spending and additional ordinary budget expenses. It's funny how nobody holds McConnell and the others who voted for this monstrosity responsible on the Republican side. It's amazing. Criticism of sustained deficit spending prompted House Republicans earlier in the year to press the White House to make budgetary concessions. GOP budget hawks are largely unsatisfied with the concessions House Speaker McCarthy managed to wrest from the administration at that time. The Biden administration, however, has largely depended on spending more and more on entitlements to bolster its support among demographics like key Democrat voters. Georgia Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene indicated that she would not support the administration's funding requests and so forth. 
In a separate interview on the program, meaning just the news, National Taxpayers Union Executive Vice President Brandon Arnold forecast a tense exchange over the funding deputy disputes, rather, but warned Republicans to formulate a winning strategy should they opt for a government shutdown. Noting the Republicans have failed to secure concessions through such an approach before. And that is a problem. So when we have some of the better conservatives saying we're going to shut down, but you've got to come up with arguments where you don't sound like a CPA or an actuary. And they're simple. The Democrat Party budget will destroy working Americans. It will destroy people on fixed incomes. It will double, triple expenses that you need to survive. It will continue to drive up the cost of food, continue to drive up the cost of fuel and utilities. Make home buying impossible, drive up the cost of rents. Go through it, explain it. It's not hard. And then turn the tables. The Democrat Party is the party that stands for the bureaucrats. The billionaires who made their billions off of government. Why is this so hard, Mr. Producer? Do you ever wonder to yourself how these people ever get elected to high offices? It, it really is unbelievable. It's like the abortion debate. They're on their heels. They don't know what to say. Here's the easy answer. The Democrat Party believes not only in abortion on demand. They believe abortion in the last moments before birth. They believe in aborting babies. They believe in infanticide. And when they say they don't, they're liars. Here's the proof. And then pull out the bill that they voted for. Right after the Dobbs decision was issued. That's all. This isn't just about babies in the womb. This is about babies coming out of the womb. And in some cases, baby outside, babies outside the womb. Make them explain themselves. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Well, let me demonstrate to you that it is. What about it? Now, every time this happens, the Democrats think they have the upper hand. Because they'll go through the litany of programs that they'll claim will be shut down and cut. And they get help from McConnell who says he will not allow the country to go bankrupt. First of all, for the four billionth time on this program, the country can't go bankrupt. Well, it can, technically. When the government shuts down, the faucet for your taxpaying dollars stays open. So they continue to receive approximately $350 billion, about that amount, every single month. It's probably more than that by now. Probably closer to $400 billion. So all they have to do is trim their sales. But they won't. They don't care if you go broke. They don't get their power from you. They get their power from the bureaucrats. They write the laws of this country. That impose the regulations, the interests, the penalties. Even sometimes prison sentences. The bigger, the bigger the bureaucracy, the more and more powerful, more and more of them are armed. The courts back the bureaucracy, so they know. The bureaucracy never takes a cut, ever. Certainly not a permanent one. 
Never, ever. Question is just how much is the increase, not the reduction. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. We have a great guest this Sunday. Two guests, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Jim Jordan. Now, Jim Jordan interviewed by me. That means it'll be really very, very interesting because I've got some very interesting questions that I want to ask him about Fannie Willis their desire to get information from her, which I think is a brilliant idea. And one of the great lawyers, David Schoen, who represented President Trump in one of the impeachment trials, but he's just a top constitutionalist, and uh, we want to chat with him too, and I'll have my opening monologue. So I hope you will join us, Jim Jordan and David Schoen, in my long-form interview program. That's what I do, long-form, no conga line of gas. Ooh! Ooh, who's that one? I don't know. No. Two. And when this new Saturday show starts, sometimes it'll be one. If I think that guest is so crucial, I believe that more and more Americans need to listen to what that individual has to say. We will have one. Media Matters may not want to watch because, you know, they're busy watching... uh, yeah, but that do what is it? Uh, yeah, cartoons. The Democrats are saying right now, America. I want you all to listen to this. That this is one of the greatest economies ever. Now you ought to, you ought to take them at what they're saying because this is their position. We don't need to do anything about inflation. We don't need to do anything about food prices. We don't need to do anything about gasoline prices. We don't need to do anything about any of it. It's the greatest economy in modern times. Listen to them. It's what they're going to tell you. Don't worry about your IRAs and your 401ks and your mutual funds. Will you put a little money in now and then? You're, you're hoping to put it away for a rainy day or your pension. And don't worry about your retirement checks. It's, a, it's great. We've never seen anything like this economy. Bidenomics, it's unbelievable. The idea that you're having to pay more for food, the idea that you have to pay more for fuel, For utilities? Well, that's your imagination. Because the Democrats, well, they produce this fantastic economy. And if you don't think it's fantastic, it's your problem. It's your fault. That's what they're saying to you right now. Biden, the conga line of Democrats that the suffering you're going through or the decisions you have to make, the choices you have to make between one thing or another. When you go to the grocery store or the supermarket and you push that basket, that cart, and you go past the meat section because it's just too damn expensive, that's okay. The Democrats are saying, no, 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 you don't understand. Those prices are great. The prices are great. What are you complaining about? That's what they're arguing right now. That's what they're arguing right now as I speak to you. That's their position. On the border. Their position has been, and you've heard the Secretary of DHS say it. You've heard Kamala Harris say it. You've heard Joe Biden say it. 
He speaks a very fluent gibberish. The border is secure. It's what they say. The border is secure. Now, all of a sudden, these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, they're very upset. They blame Governor Abbott, among others, for sending illegal immigrants to their towns. Governor Abbott couldn't send enough illegal immigrants to these states and towns if he wanted to. They are pouring over the border, and they are freely going to these states and towns. They're going to the biggest welfare centers in the country, where the cities and states are incredibly generous with your money, doling it out. That's why they're going to New York City and New York. That's why they go to California. That's why they go to New Jersey. That's why they're headed up to Chicago. When they wind up in Florida, it's because they're shipped there. Or Tennessee, it's because they're shipped there. But they know exactly where to go. And they know nobody's going to stop them. And they know they can do damn well whatever they want. They had no concern when Texas is being overrun with millions of illegal immigrants. Arizona, millions of illegal immigrants. New Mexico and Nevada, which used to be Republican states, overrun with millions of illegal immigrants. It's okay. The illegal immigrants... In Florida, showing up mostly on the beaches, illegal immigrants in Georgia, South Carolina, right up the coast. Ooh, illegal immigrants in Washington, D.C. We've never seen anything like this before. What are we supposed to do? We need more money. We need more money. We're running out of space. And they won't mention Biden's name. Biden is destroying America. Citizenship doesn't mean a damn thing anymore. Nothing. And it's not just Biden. It's all those Democrat senators. Oh, they can put out their little statements and press releases. They mean nothing. They vote the party line. They goose step right behind Biden. With their shiny boots. That's right, I said it. You've got the congressman who represents the southernmost part of New Jersey. Was a Democrat. Now he's a Republican. Why? Well, this is part of the reason. I told you my wife and I were in Atlantic City and Ventnor and Margate. We loved it. That's where my family used to hang out when I was a kid in the summers. Atlantic City has a total of 50,000 people. That's the population. And there's an enormous Hispanic population there now. I don't know, legal, illegal, it's just large. And same with other parts, Vineland, New Jersey, and so forth, Salem County, generally. And Biden wants to take illegal immigrants out of New York City and send a whole bunch of them to Atlantic City. Folks, that city cannot withstand thousands of illegal immigrants. It's barely holding on. 
There are great efforts there, you know. There's a part of that city that's all built up where they're trying to attract tourists. They're trying to attract people who have money with these more high-end shops. It's beautiful, actually. But then you walk two blocks away, and it's not so beautiful. You hear sirens all night long. It's still a great city. Most of the casinos are boarded up. You can see most of the condominiums on the boardwalk are in disrepair. Not all, most. So people, many have left Atlantic City and they've moved to Vendor and Margate and Longport, south of Atlantic City. Atlantic City is on a barrier island. That's what it is. I think it has the greatest beach in the world. That whole lineup of towns has the greatest... The sand is like uh, talcum powder. It's just so soft. You know, much of the beach in Florida, not all of it, but much of it is very granular. The waves are great, too. The body surf through there. I used to do that as a young man. My father used to do it. Brothers used to do it. I tried it out this weekend. I almost drowned to death, Mr. Producer. So I didn't try it again. Now, but my point is, you know what's going on in your town. You know what's going on in your school system. People showing up from nowhere. You know what's going on when you drive past a Wawa or a 7-Eleven. Or sheets or whatever you have in your community. And you see people lined up. They're illegal aliens. They have nothing to fear. They're not going anywhere. But where are they going? It's a funny thing. About a year ago, I was on Hannity's show on Fox. And I said, among other things, and I only know this, not because I remember everything I say on Fox, let alone Hannity's show, but I'll tell you why I remember in a moment. I said, where are all these people going? This was before it was obvious. They're in New York now. and over the, But they just kind of, they just kind of went over the border and they disappeared. But now we've reached a point of so many people coming into the country illegally. You can't miss them. They're everywhere. I love the left. How can you tell? Well, let's see. They're homeless. They don't speak the language. Uh, They're looking for refugee status. Someone amnesty. That's how you tell. It's not hard. So anyway, where are all these people? President Trump contacted me and he said, that's the best damn question I've heard about this. Where are they? I said, they're everywhere and they're nowhere. Now they're everywhere. Everywhere. These sanctimonious Democrat mayors and governors and state legislators, these sanctimonious punks on television and radio, pushing sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, Not so much anymore. Because it destroys the quality of life. Let me repeat it. It destroys the quality of life for American citizens in these communities. Democrat, Republican, Independent, it doesn't matter. It's not politics for them. So now they take over, you know, recess areas in schools. They're taking over soccer fields and football fields and baseball fields. So they don't have Little League anymore. 
They're taking over parks. So people can't sit on the benches anymore and feed the pigeons or bring their little kids in the baby carriage. That's over. That's over. People have to be afraid to walk on a public street in the middle of the day. Because you have encampments. Encampments. Looks like the poorest parts of the world. Poorest parts of the world. Because they are becoming the poorest parts of the world. And listen to this mayor of New York. He sounds like an idiot. He denounces all the illegal aliens. And then he says we must care for them. Is he schizophrenic? And then they have a new trick. Well, blame the Republicans because we don't have comprehensive immigration reform. Excuse me? We're talking about securing the border. You don't need comprehensive immigration reform, you idiots. Secure the damn border. You need comprehensive immigration reform. What, do you want us to hand out citizenship certificates to everybody? That's what they mean because that's what they want. Now, the problem is... It's very painful for the cities of America. It's very painful for these states that where these people are starting to show up. The states that hand out the biggest welfare checks are now getting slammed. And the people in these communities don't like it one damn bit. Not in the inner cities of Chicago, not in the inner cities of New York, not in my hometown, the inner city of Philadelphia. Look at Kensington. It's gone. You can go through all these communities. They're taken over. They're over. They're done. Los Angeles. Honestly, who the hell wants to live in the middle of Los Angeles? Nobody. This is, uh, these are the bluest of blue areas in the country. Destroying our country. Because they're destroying the rule of law. We had immigration laws in place. All you have to do is enforce them. Trump showed them how to build a wall. They stopped. And now they have sold the steel and are selling the steel pennies on the dollar. This is intentional. This is man-made. This is Democrat Party made. I don't care how many local Democrats and state Democrats whine like stuck pigs. Their party's doing it. And not one of them has the guts to stand up to Biden. Oh, I wrote a letter. Shove your letter. How many of them are challenging him in the Democrat primary? Not one of them. How serious are they? They're not. They just figure you folks in New York, you're going to vote Democrat. They just figure you folks in L.A., you're going to vote Democrat. You folks in Philly, you always vote Democrat. Atlanta, Democrat. Chicago, Democrat. So what the hell? There's no consequence. When you have one-party rule and the people want it. They want one-party rule. Even though it destroys their neighborhoods, increases crime, destroys their school systems, doesn't matter. Because for a century, people have been told that the Republicans are the racists who hate your guts when it's been the Democrats all along. 
But the Democrats have something the Republicans don't have. The media. The Democrats have something the Republicans don't have. Marxist revolutionaries who wake up every day trying to figure out how to destroy America. And the Democrats don't have something that the Republicans have. The Chris Christie's of the world. The Chris Sununu's of the world. The rhinos. The establishment Republicans. Who always want to be in the middle. And cut a deal. You can't cut a deal all the time. You can't cut a deal over slavery. You can't cut a deal over segregation. You can't cut a deal over the survivability of capitalism. You can't cut a deal over the security of the border. You can't cut a deal over protecting the American people. These are defining issues. What does this have to do with energy? Everything. Everything. 